Do you know what I find extraordinary? That this is an age when we've never had it so good. There is so much choice, and yet probably 90% of the people on the planet who can afford to buy their own clothes will wear denim, or will wear t-shirts, or will wear trainers that are branded by other people. Um, so that amazes me for one. I think the, the dandy phenomenon has, has really returned as a rejection of all of that. Well, boredom, for want of a better word, and conformity, um, which is, is deadly. Conformity is the enemy of the dandy. Dandyism in itself is almost, uh, I think it's a rebellion, uh, a strange rebellion in many people's eyes, but it's, it's certainly a rebellion, I would think, just a rather soft and gentle rose water smelling one. But in the introduction to the book, I sort of joke that it's more half-joking, that it's more like a, a disease or, a, or a, a psychological disorder of some kind because it's definitely a compulsion and there's an obsession there and these are men who would do it even if no one else was looking. One of the beauties of the, of the I Am Dandy, of the book, is that, um, and I hadn't realized until I got a copy myself, was just the scope of the people covered. And then trying to pick a kind of uh, continuity be be between all the people. It's tricky to call oneself a dandy. Um, as one of the men in the book, Winston Chesterfield, says, it's like a knighthood and you can't knight yourself. Uh, the true dandy has to be someone that just, that they live it. You know, you've got to live it, you've got to imbue it, you've got to believe it, you've got to want it, you've got to desire it. It's got to be within your, your core. Uh, one of the old uh, dandy philosophers, he spoke of, uh, you know, of a dandy, or wrote of a dandy as being someone who, um, you know, who uh, dresses well, who dances well, he writes beautiful love letters, he, you know, he just lives life to a particular standard. And I think that's what dandyism comes down to. It's a standard of living. I think you find the greatest dandies are often the youngest, poorest kids, especially if you're looking at London or Tokyo street fashion. They can't afford Savile Row. They'll be looking at second-hand shops. They'll be finding their own style. Um, I find that inspiring, actually, because it's you know, necessity being the mother of invention. If you can't afford three and a half thousand pounds for a Savile Row suit, you can probably find one on eBay or in a second-hand shop you can get a tailor to customise it and you'll look a million dollars. You'll look better than all the rest of us standing around in Savile Row suits. And then there are other people who are really want to be on the cutting edge of things. Uh, people like Simon Doonan, uh, who's very much in the world of fashion, but also very independent in it. And he did something funny when we, were, when we went to photograph and interview him, when Rose and I went to his apartment, he said, uh, to, he said to Rose, do you want to take the most subversive photograph in your book? And so she said, well, of course. And so he said, okay, wait here one minute. And he came out and he was wearing an Ed Hardy t-shirt. And he said, I've got six of these in different colors and different styles. And I like to wear them to the gym 
because if there's anyone else there who works in fashion, it annoys them. And so he was, you know, Ed Hardy's pretty much the opposite of elegance. You won't find me in a t-shirt. I don't really take a day off. It, if I'm on a ladder outside my window, cleaning my windows outside my apartment, I'm, I'm certainly not going to be wearing what I'm wearing now. But um, it is important to me to be consistent and to always feel good about what I'm wearing and not ashamed or feel like I'm slumming it in any way. It's an obsession with elegance, essentially. Um, and as Natty puts it, a disorder. <laughs> but a great disorder. I mean, nothing's worse than a very boorish person, very well-dressed. You know, I, I think it's kind of like, I think there's certain things that come with it. I think it's an all-round idea and an all-round package. And I, and I think that, like, people will tell you that, you know, when you start wearing three-piece suits in particular, you, you start to carry yourself differently. We all definitely recognize we share this passion. I mean, our pa and our passion is, um, is a pursuit of some some form of elegance, really. It's, you know, a form of bit of having a sort of complete approach to uh, traditional menswear. We wanted people who had something to say. The Churchwell brothers, their father was a, the first black reporter on the Nashville Banner, and he had to work from home, even though he was, he was doing the civil rights beat, but they wouldn't give him a desk in the actual office. But he still dressed up every morning, even though he wasn't leaving the house and no one would see him sometimes. Uh, and that stuck with his kids. And so they thought of dressing as a very important professional thing, and a, an important thing about dignity and, and uh, asserting yourself as, as, as someone to take seriously. I don't, I don't demand an, a, 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 an aesthetic standard from everyone. It's really just a standard that I demand of myself because it's something that I like and appreciate and because it makes me feel good. But I appreciate it in other people and I um, you know, expect it from myself. But again, it's something that I enjoy delivering. I definitely grew up at a time uh, in England where there was a lot of tribal difference um, between youth cultures and um, they dressed a certain way, they behaved a certain way, they drank in certain pubs, they socialised with certain people and, it, and yeah, tribal is the only way to describe it. Just, you know, the, the, the various youth factions, you know, which, which were around skinhead, punk, mod, goth, you know, th those kind of things. And that's sort of lost 20 years down the line. And, you know, some will say that's a good thing because, of course, you know, it means there's a lot less trouble these days. People seem more harmonious. But at the same time, I think something's lost in the sense of, like, having, you know, um, worrying about your appearance and that being actually part of your identity. I really don't give a damn what people think. You know, I really do live in a bubble. Uh, and my bubble is, is a dandy bubble, it's a, it's a psychedelic bubble, it's a, it's a slapping lovely cheeks of a lady bubble, it's an art bubble, it, it's, it's a bubble that I've created that I can only survive in, really, as far as I'm concerned. So I surround myself with things I love and I like and people that share the same interests. I work in, an a in areas that I can express myself um, in this way.
And so uh, that, that to me is, is, is the way I survive. That's the dandy within. Cary Grant once said that he played Cary Grant for years and finally became him. I think there's that kind of um, feeling with dandies. They're, they're it's somewhat aspirational or it's, they've got a particular era or a particular feeling in mind. Uh, and you can see in the diversity of the men in the book. But there is definitely this idea that they want to be a character of some kind. They want to, they want to play themselves.